to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is food news. This is from CNBC. Cell-based seafood producer Blue Naloo, which... Blue Naloo? uh, It's the word blue and then N-A-L-U. Okay. Uh, They raised $60 million as they prep for their market launch. Uh, So this is a company that makes cell, like, lab-grown seafood. Oh. You know how I love fake meat. Well, I guess this is real meat, but it's produced in a an alternative way. <laughs> um, but yeah, this huh. is a San Diego-based food startup that said on Tuesday that they intend to use the funds to complete their regulatory review with the Food and Drug Administration and begin testing their products in a variety of food service locations across the U.S. Uh, the company didn't disclose the names of any of those food ser- uh, service partners, so we don't yet know who that could be. Um, but uh, plans are also underway to open a nearly 40,000-square-foot pilot production facility. So it sounds like they're pretty far along in being able to just produce this fake seafood. Okay. Um, cell-based or cultured seafood is created by extracting cells from fish and growing the samples in large bioreactors. Which, Whoa. if I was them, I wouldn't use bioreactors in their marketing, because I feel like that makes it sound like... You're eating something from like, like a nuclear power yeah, plant. Like, <laughs> yeah, like toxic waste from like right. a, yeah. <laughs> we produced energy and this fish was the byproduct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the company plans to introduce Mahi Mahi as its first cultured seafood oh. I- item, followed by bluefin tuna. So, okay. Some popular fish there. Late last year, the, Singa- uh, the Singapore Food Agency approved cell cultured chicken made by Eat Just, which we did talk about on this show. The company is called Eat Just, and they got their mm. chicken approved in Singapore. Uh, this was the first lab-grown chicken to receive regulatory approval, and the company is seeking to gain additional approvals to sell its products in other markets, including the U.S. But I guess this means they still haven't gotten that yet. But okay, hopefully soon. Yeah, I, I really want to try this stuff. I'm really curious, like how some. I want to try taste. it too. I really do. I mean, it should I, taste the same because it is the thing. It's just I, I, I want to try. I want to see if like the texture is the. Same. I don't know. I'm curious. For some reason, the idea of lab-grown seafood like makes me a little bit more hesitant than lab-grown like red meat for some reason. But I don't know why. It yeah, shouldn't. that's interesting. It's the same thing. Just like in my mind, for some reason, it's like I, I have this feeling like it won't be good for some reason. Whereas lab-grown meat, like, I just assume it will taste fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Yeah, I don't know. You don't trust the sea. But maybe also, yeah, because, like, seafood in general, I feel like it's it's easy for it to, like, taste off. That's true. You know, versus, yeah. like, just other meats, it's harder for that, for it to, like, be messed up, like, how you cook it and stuff. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I'm not a huge <laughs> seafood fan either, but mm-hmm. I, st- I still want to try it. Oh, yeah, I definitely want to try it, regardless. Yeah. I'm just... Totally intrigued by it. But yeah, that's super cool. That's the future. It's the future of food. Okay, my first story is also food news. This is from Reuters.com. And the headline is, Overcoming the Yuck Factor, Yellow Grub Becomes EU's First Insect Food. So this is also about futuristic food alternatives. I feel like it's not the first food that's the first insect well, that's been eaten in the EU. <laughs> it's their first, like, officially 
approved grub oh. as a human food in the EU. Huh. Like by their version of the FDA. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess uh-huh. I'd never really thought about that. That yeah, the FDA probably hasn't said like eat these insects. They're yeah, fine. yeah. It's like it's like officially approved now. It's like the stamp of approval is on yellow grubs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Mealworms may soon find their way into Europe's pasta bowls and dinner dishes. Will they? It's kind of specific. <laughs> After becoming the first insect approved in the region as a human food. Wednesday's decision by the European Food Safety Agency paves the way for the yellow grubs to be used whole and dried in curries and other recipes and as flour to make biscuits, pasta, and bread. Again, they just get really specific about this, but you can use it to make flour. Yeah. Um, despite their name, mealworms are not worms, but beetle larvae and are, are already used in Europe as a pet food ingredient. Mm-hmm. Uh, rich in protein, fat, and fiber, they are likely to be the first of many insects to feature on Europeans' plates in the coming years. This article also noted that people across much of the world um, already enjoy insects in, like, insect bars, cricket burgers, and other grub-based foods. <laughs> but in the EU, it is not uh, currently a common thing. I wonder how many crickets so. go into one cricket burger. <laughs> Seems like it'd need to be a lot. They're pretty small. 20. I think it's probably more. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a cricket no, it's slider. More, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, we're talking about like the the protein powder of it, yeah. right? Not like actual, like full crickets. They just in take it. full crickets and, and mush like them mash into them a patty. In the- <laughs> here. <laughs> That'd be so just weird. legs sticking out here. Mmm, um, the texture is gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, the last thing that this article just talked about a little bit was like kind of they, – they're calling it a yuck factor, but basically just like the the psychological barrier that people may have to eating insects if they're not used to that already. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just – they talked to some like psychologists about that or something about like, yeah, probably a lot of people won't want to eat this right now, but that will probably change. It's just become – yeah, it becomes more it normal. It's like, yeah, normalized in society. Mm-hmm. Especially stuff like the flour, like you wouldn't even yeah. notice. I've eaten, yeah, exactly. I've like, eaten like chips. I, th- I think I've mentioned before. I've eaten chips that are made out of like cricket flour. Oh yeah, they okay. tasted like chips. Yeah, because we've because <laughs> we've talked about the cricket flour. Yeah, we definitely talked about protein eating bugs stuff. Before and, yeah. yeah. My next story is dinosaur news. This is from CNN. Dinosaur fossils could belong to the world's largest ever creature. Ooh. Been talking about a lot of big ancient yeah. things lately. Um, so here's another one. Paleontologists discovered the fossilized remains of a 98 million year old dinosaur in uh, Nuquin province. Or it's probably not pronounced that way. It's in Argentina, so it's probably like Nuquin. I don't know. I don't know. Um, in Argentina's northwest Patagonia, in thick sediment, sedimentary deposits known as the Candeleros Formation. A lot of words in there. Uh, the 24, <laughs> <laughs> as these stories tend to have. The 24 <laughs> vertebrae of the tail and elements of the pelvic and pectoral girdle discovered are thought to belong to a, a titanosaur. A diverse group of sauropod dinosaurs characterized by their large size, a long neck and tail, and four-legged stance. So they kind of look like a brontosaurus or an apatosaurus or whatever, but they're just enormous. Um, okay. If, you, if you're not familiar with the titanosaur group. 
Um, in research published in the journal Cretaceous Research. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> to the point. Uh, experts say they believe the creature to be one of the largest sauropods ever found and could exceed the, exceed the size of a patagotitan, which is a species which lived 100 million to 95 million years ago and measured up to a staggering 122 feet long. Whoa! So, for reference, the megalodons that we talked about were about 50 feet long, so this is over twice as long as one of those. Wow. It's it's honestly kind of hard to comprehend a creature that large. Um, So, yeah, but these patagotitans are a a species of titanosaur that's, I think, found in the Patagonia region. Okay. That's where their name comes from. Um, Without analyzing the dinosaur's humerus or femur, Experts say it is not yet possible to say how much the creature weighs. However, the partially recovered dinosaur can be considered one of the largest titanosaurs, experts say, with a probable body mass exceeding or comparable to that of a Patagotitan or Argentinosaurus. Not the most creative Argentinosaurus. Argent- yeah, I guess it was just a dinosaur found in Argentina. <laughs> I don't know. That's, but so were but... the Patagotitans. I don't know. These these names are a lot. Um uh, Patagotitans may have been the world's largest terrestrial animal of all time and weighed up to 77 tons. Oh, wow. While Archi- Argentinosaurus were similar... Argenti- <laughs> Argentinosaurs were similarly gargantuan and measured up to 40 meters or 131 feet and weighed up to 110 tons. So they're even bigger, I guess, than uh, the Patagotitans. Um and they just pointed out that 110 tons is more than 12 times that the weight of an African elephant, which weighs up to nine tons. So just glue together 12 elephants and you'll have a pretty good idea, at least of how much they would weigh and also what a bunch of glued together elephants look like. Um, researchers <laughs> said that while they don't believe the creature to belong to a new species, they have so far been unable to assign it to a known genus of dinosaur. So they don't think it's a new one, but they also don't know yet which one it is. So I don't know. Apparently the vertebrae aren't enough to tell. Oh. Well, yeah, I guess vertebrae, like, I don't even know how they even tell the difference between them in the first place of any species. Like, they That's all look the point, same yeah. to me. <laughs> there must be, like, unique identifying characteristics of different yeah. bones or something. There it's must like, be. Oh, well, like, this is too different to be a like the same species. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I just don't know what those are. Because yeah. when I look at vertebrae, I'm just like, yeah, that looks like a... Sure looks like a, a vertebra. Part of a spine. Verte- vertebrae? Vertebra. What's the singular for that? The singular. What is the singular? A vertebral bone. <laughs> <laughs> I think you nailed it. <laughs> okay. Also, quick side note, going back to that journal you mentioned, what's it called? Cre- Cretaceous, Cretaceous Research. Research? Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe we should like subscribe to that. What do you think? <laughs> I think that might be useful. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I find out about enough dinosaur news without being subscribed That's as true. it is. Yeah. I would I would be overwhelmed. <laughs> I don't know. I think I might look into I think we might look into that. All Maybe right. just subscribing to that. Yeah. Maybe they have a newsletter or something. Or a magazine. Or a magazine, yeah. <laughs> In the middle is a centerfold and you unfold it and it's just a giant dinosaur. <laughs> you free dinosaur poster in every issue. <laughs> Scientific to, journal. To scale. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next story is one more food news. <laughs> Man, we're hungry this episode. Yep. So this is from delish.com, and the headline is 
More than 760,000 pounds of Hot Pockets are being recalled over glass and plastic contamination fears. Who keeps getting bits of non-edible materials in food? Is it the same person? Probably not. And in all of our favorite things, ice cream, Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets, you know. You know. Because we just eat Hot Pockets all the time. I just dip Hot Pockets in ice cream. Yeah, like that is such a common thing that we both that we both do do um (laughs) nestle prepared foods has issued a recall involving hundreds of thousands of pounds of pepperoni (laughs) hot pockets they fear could contain glass and plastic the recall was issued by the u.s department of agriculture's food safety and inspection service fsis last week and affects approximately 762,615 pounds this is such a specific number it really is. Premium pepperoni pizza hot pockets with garlic buttery crust. Like that premium and hot pocket hot pocket really yes. shouldn't be in the same sentence. But okay. I was gonna make that joke and then <laughs> you did it first. Um, so, <laughs> um the company the company fears these hot pockets may be contaminated with extraneous materials, specifically pieces of glass and hard plastic. The recall went into effect after authorities received four consumer replaints of materials in the product, including one report of a minor oral injury associated with the consumption of the affected hot pocket. So somebody actually like hurt them, probably hurt themselves, their mouth on it. Yeah. Um, the these hot pockets were produced from November thirteenth, twenty twenty, through November sixteenth, twenty twenty, and were distributed to stores nationwide. Um, but as the product has a shelf life of 14 months, the FSIS said in its release that it is concerned the boxes boxes could very well still be in people's freezers because it's like something you just buy and just keep for like a really long time. Right. So and never eat because you're it's like, relevant. It's still relevant. So um, the affected uh, boxes have a best before date of February 2022. And <laughs> And if you want to see the specific lot lot codes, they have those online too. If you if you have a box of these and you want to check, um, yeah. So, oh no, I'm gonna have to throw out my hot pocket supply. <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> I don't even think I've ever purchased hot pockets. Oh, I've I never know. even I've, purchased them. I know I've never purchased them. I've had uh, a similar thing before, like a heated bread wrapped thing. Okay, but I feel like it was like a like a fancy something. I don't oh, know. Okay. Was it, it was, a it was from company? some other brand, I think. And maybe it was, yeah. this, honestly, it's probably all from the same people, but I don't know. It was just, I remember it being okay, but I've just never associated hot pockets with like quality. So same. I mean, like nowadays, maybe they're good. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. I just think of it like that was around when like we were kids, you know, and it was just like, Oh, right. it's that. They're just <laughs> kind of a frozen staple. Like, yeah, like they're just kind of there. They're just like, there. Yeah, still. right. And they're still there. <laughs> to um, this day. But yeah, I don't know. I'm actually surprised like people in college didn't like eat Hot Pockets more. Like, I feel like that would have been a good yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like a late night snack kind of a thing. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I, don't I, didn't, know. I didn't know of anybody. So yeah, same. Mm. Anyway. My next story is animal news. <laughs> This is from sciencealert.com. It's a science alert. Um, The headline is, (laughs) scientists just discovered three new kinds of carnivorous sponge in the the deep ocean. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh no. It's not not the word you thought was coming after carnivorous, was it? 
No, it was not. It's not the first thing you think of when you think, uh, this likes to eat meat. Oh, it's a sponge. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely not the first thing I think of when I think of carnivorous beings in the ocean. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe being is the wrong word. Carnivorous. <laughs> creatures. Yeah, they're creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, being just sounds like we discovered like some people living in the deep sea. Yeah, researchers just announced the discovery of three new species off the coast of Australia. Typically, sea sponges are multicellular filter feeders. They have hole-filled tissues for flowing water from which their cells extract oxygen and food. They're pretty simple creatures with no nervous, digestive, or circulatory system, but they've existed in some form for over 500 million years. Uh, Carnivorous sponges are a bit different. Uh, Some still use the water flow system and then just, like, actually catch meat (laughs) Um, but Mm -hmm. others like the three newly discovered species have lost this ability altogether and they nab small crustaceans and other prey using filaments or hooks. So they have like little things coming off of them that grab passing prey. Uh, The researchers in this study found three new species of carnivorous sponges. Like I've said three times now, uh, Nolarbora heptaxia, Abyssocladia oxyasters and Lycopodina hystrix. Which is, why are they all so different? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's um, confusing. It's Yeah, I don't know. But they're all new genera as well as a, they also discovered a closely related species of sponge that isn't carnivorous called Guitara David Conry. (laughs) What? (laughs) Which is definitely named, yes, it's the word guitar, R-A, and then the species is... The name David, C-O-N-R-Y-I. So it might be like Con- David Connery. I don't oh. know. But clearly named after somebody, guessing somebody who plays the guitar. Um, <laughs> I just love that all the other okay. ones are just like, Nullipora heptaxia. Just like, yeah. They sound like Harry Potter spells, and then you get to guitarra David Connery. <laughs> anyway, all these species were found at depths of between 535. 535 and 9,842 <laughs> feet deep. So kind of a wide range there, wow, yeah. um, but very deep in the ocean. These new species are the first recorded carnivorous species of sponge from South Australia and increased the number of species recorded from around Australia to about 25 total carnivorous sponge species. Uh, the sponges are also prettier than you would imagine, looking a little like flowers with their spiky protrusions. And I'll, I have a picture of oh. one of them, and they actually are kind of they're kind of pretty. Uh, and carnivorous sponges were first discovered in 1995, so really not all that long oh, ago. Yeah. And the number of known species has almost doubled since those first discoveries, um, hmm. including these three new ones. Cool. But yeah. Uh, don't worry, it's not the sponge next to your sink has not suddenly become carnivorous. It is not carnivorous. Well, that's fangs. good. Um, so this is Lycopodina hystrix. That's not. Oh, the that per- doesn't even look like a sponge. Yeah, they. I, I'm not really sure how they, like, what where the classification breaks down. Um, and this is the oxyaster one. They look to me kind of like spiky gemstones or something. I don't know. Yeah, They're, they don't. They weren't what I was expecting. They've um, got kind of a crystal approach. Like, yeah, appearance to them. It's, the, it's neat. They remind me of something that I would see maybe in a coral reef, but it doesn't look like. Like, yeah. you can't, like, see the porousness of them, but I bet right. it's there, but maybe it's just so small that... Yeah, they look slimy yeah. as opposed yeah. to, like, a 
sponge, <laughs> I guess. Almost like that a, you would traditionally think of. Like a slug or something. Yeah, even. but like on a stem. Like, it's like yes. a sponge on a, a slug on a stem, but with spikes. It's Look up the like pictures. Glass. <laughs> They're very interesting. It's hard to describe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love deep sea creatures. Me too. I, and I know we talk about them a lot. They're just... There's got to be so many things we haven't discovered. They're fascinating. There. There's got to be so many things still. We're just just now finding more carnivorous sponges. My next story is entertainment news. This is from Reuters.com, and the headline is, Magicians mark 100 years of sawing people in half. Uh, yay! Is that, is that good? It's the 100... <laughs> Yeah, it's just the 100-year anniversary of that trick being in existence. All right. Um, so 100 years ago, illusionist P.T. Selbit put a woman in a box on the stage of London's Finsbury Park Empire, don't know where that is, and sawed through the wood, creating a magical classic. And last weekend, magicians from around the world got together online to celebrate the 100-year anniversary <laughs> of that performance. <laughs> Uh, what exactly does this celebration entail? You well, might be getting to that. Yeah, actually, um, it was like a live stream uh-huh. that just a bunch of pe- magicians were in. And this organization called the Magic Circle Organization or something based in London mm-hmm. was hosting it. And they had like these videos and presentations about like the history of this trick and people presented about like how it's evolved over like the years and stuff and they had like photos and videos and things. I didn't like watch the whole thing, but it's a, it's like still on there. Like they live streamed it and now it's just a video on their Facebook page. All right. So I kind of like clicked through it to see what it was and that's what it was. (laughs) And it was all these different like magician, like career magician people like presenting about this trick. And it was like kind of, that's so interesting. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was just wondering if it was all of them just doing their own sawing a person in (laughs) <laughs> Live like during just all the thing. Them, like all 100 magicians all sawing a person in yeah. half. <laughs> well, if they actually did the trick live during the live stream, I didn't see that because I didn't watch the whole entire... It was five hours long. Oh, wow. It was very long. I guess there was a lot of history to get through. Yeah, so I don't know what all they did for the whole thing, but it's there. If you want to go watch any part of it, you can. Um, <laughs> so they inter- uh, this whoever wrote this article interviewed this magician and historian named Mike... Cavani, who is writing a book specifically on this, like sawing people in half. Okay. Um, and according to him, this is the most influential and famous illusion that there's ever been. Is like the the sawing people in half trick. Huh. Like more than any other magic trick. It's like the most. I can see that. I don't know. Besides, maybe like pulling a rabbit out of a hat, but. Yeah, but then that one like. This is a good question, but people don't really like do that anymore in magic shows. I the, doubt the it. Pulling stuff out of things, but they do the like variations of the like splitting a person in half. Uh huh. I feel like like yeah, that's still like so. a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um. Anyway, I just thought this was <laughs> a window into a world that I'm not a part of. I don't know. <laughs> what you're not a secretly a famous magician, Alex. <laughs> You have to Maybe tell, I'm you, you have secretly to tell David Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's all been an illusion. <laughs> this whole thing is an illusion. No, I'm not a magician, and I've never tried to do magic, and I mm. don't know how to do it. Yeah, so. same. 
All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Grub. Ready, set, go! Go! Right, I found this on NBC. Atlanta area teen stole nearly $1 million from Kroger grocery store over two weeks, according to police. Whoa. And if you're, hear- if you're hearing that and thinking, how does somebody steal $1 million from a grocery store? It was not because they were stealing it from, like, they weren't stealing product. They were, like, creating fake returns, like, in this, like, computer system and, like, oh. cashing it out that way. Um. So this is a 19-year-old Atlanta-area teen who was arrested Thursday um, for stealing nearly $1 million from a Kroger. Uh, Police say they spent two weeks creating over 40 fake returns to obtain over $980,000 while employed at the Steve Reynolds Boulevard Kroger between December and January. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The returns ranged from $75 to over $87,000 for non-existent items and were placed on several credit cards, according to detectives. Oh, uh, wow. Corporate employees noticed the transactions and contacted police. How do you, like... Oh, no. How does an $87,000 return not immediately get flagged in the systems of a grocery store? Well, it does say somebody noticed something Yeah, that's true. Point, it just, right? like... Maybe it that seems was like it would have been noticed sooner. Sooner, like, yeah. Why is a nineteen-year-old able to like a million dollars of like? Why is a nineteen-year-old even able to like put in a return without like talking to a manager about that kind of thing? I don't know. Seems like maybe yeah. They like could. how does that? Don't you have to like scan something to return it? Like what are they yeah, just like I, typing into the system? Like I'm their returning. This isn't very good. This item and it was. But then how did? How did they get that big of an amount? That makes no sense. Yeah. Wow. Um, Further investigations showed that the person appears to have used the money to buy clothes, shoes, and two cars. Two cars? This is my favorite part of the story. Prior to the arrest, police said the person had totaled one of the cars. (laughs) Which is probably why they got the second car. Oh, no. Um, Oh, no. But, yeah. Oh, uh, no. You can't, you can't steal. You can't steal. Don't, so don't, don't do steal. That. People um, don't steal. But uh, I just, no, that, that's that headline not really grabbed my attention. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like. Yeah, you're right. I would have, my initial thought was like. somebody with like a grocery cart piled <laughs> like comically high yeah. with just the most expensive product in the store. Like just buy. Just like yeah, running I'm, out. This. Like that was my first thought too. Was like how did they get a million dollars worth of like products from a grocery store (laughs) like there's not you do you remember that old game show that was i do not remember what it was called right now off the top of my head it was like like supermarket sweep yeah that was probably it where they had to run around and find still around or there's like a new there's a reboot of it or something that's that was i enjoyed watching that i don't know why but it was the whole point was you had to know what cost a lot in a grocery store and you would just run around and like (laughs) just fill your cart cart and you had to have the most money Mm. (laughs) this story just reminded me of that game show yeah it's one million dollars from a car oh and they totaled the car car, and then bought a second car car. no classic mistake when you you perform large scale theft. theft yeah yeah 
Okay, I found something on Business Insider uh, about Elon Musk, who apparently tweeted today that he is going to be donating $100 million as a prize towards somebody that can come up with the best carbon capture technology. And he's supposedly going to provide more details next week. So okay. in Elon Musk fashion, he's just kind of like throwing money at the problem. Throw- <laughs> <laughs> that Quite literally. wasn't. Yes. I also was going to, I also was going to say like, he, I feel like he's unique in that he realizes that there's like a lot of smart people in this world that can think mm. of solutions to problems that maybe don't like work for him right now or something. Right. And I feel like he tries to like do the things. crowdsource. Yes. Like development like that. Right. And this, whatever this is going to be, they're just going to like duct tape it to the top of every Tesla. So you're just cleaning the air as you drive. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe they'll use their um, spaceship technology and fly a ship all around the Earth, and it'll clean the air, too. Oh, perfect. That's probably And then they could just blast it off and forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how it'll work. This I is mean, some we'll other see. planet's problem now. <laughs> Let's just send it to, like, Venus or something. Yeah. Nobody's going to live no on Venus. No one's going to live on Venus. Just fill it with carbon. Yeah. That'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. There's literally infinite space in There's space. So, much so space. like, we can just get it's rid of the carbon. It's still expanding. So right. There's like, yeah. We're never ever gonna find that. Not end gonna of it. run out. Yeah. So just launch just it off. Launch all of our launch garbage. Launch it off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News, on Twitter at at News, and on Instagram at News. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.